Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. You are indeed listening to Well, Well, Well with Michael and Jacinta. We are continuing our conversation uh, surrounding NIDOC Week this week. Uh, We are now joined by Tasha Jago, a proud queer Palawa woman. Tasha, welcome to the program. How are you going? Um, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank- I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here on uh, NADOC Week, this um, this episode of Well, 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 here on Joy 94.9. We are celebrating NADOC Week, so thank you for taking the time to share, um, you know, part of your week with us. Tell us, um, firstly, a little bit about uh, about yourself and what NADOC Week means for you. Yeah, um, so as you said before, I'm Tash. I'm a proud Palawa woman, uh, a proud Palawa I've been living in... Nam or Melbourne for seven years now, but I grew up on country um, in Tassie before that. Um, and in terms of NADOC Week, I guess what it means to me, I have always been very aware that NADOC Week started not as a celebration, but as a protest. And it started from the work of people like Uncle William Cooper um, and many others who were really um, insistent on there being a day of warning to acknowledge all that had been lost um, and and this was kind of, you know, a long time ago in the 50s and it's changed a lot since then um, and it now has become a community celebration but it also, to me, it's a celebration of all that we've achieved through protest and through resistance and also acknowledging those elders and the community that have led those, those fights and also remembering that there's still so much so much to go in terms of protesting and and um, the rights of Aboriginal people and absolutely and acknowledging the acknowledging the people that are taking up that fight now and that are tirelessly working for that. Yeah, and how are you connecting with NIDOC this week? Are you going to be at the march tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. I will be um, at the march tomorrow, and I think that the march is a really um, important reminder of, of that history of, of NATO Week and that it was a protest and that we are still marching and we are still calling on people and asking for more. But it also has been, um, as I said, a celebration of everything that we've achieved so far and that what those before us have done. And so last night was the NATO Pride Night, which is organised by the Victorian NATO Committee, which is a really wonderful night and it's kind of a performance night and also just a celebration and a reminder that there are queer mobs around and that that intersection of of um aboriginality and queerness isn't a one or the other and that both of those identities are important and valid and strengthen and complement each other and i'll also be going to the ball on saturday night which is probably the most special event of the year lots of people call Lots of Aboriginal people call NADOC Week, you know, Corey Christmas or Aboriginal Christmas. <laughs> and the ball really is the, you know, the Christmas morning, which is really the highlight of, 
the festivities because so often when we come together as Aboriginal people, it is because a crisis has happened or something needs swift action or we're mobilising for some cause because we need to. And so to have kind of a night that is just to celebrate what we are, what we've done and the fact that we're still here and, you know, we're looking extra pretty and eating a great, you know, great feed together and having a boogie um, is just so special to have to have that space. And that's only made more special by the, the march being the day before to reflect and honour those who, who have marched before us and who march with us now. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, Tasha, you were meant, uh, you were featured on uh, an episode of the the Queer Stories session of, of uh, podcasts. We'll have a link to that um, episode in our uh, podcast notes if you're keen to check that out. Um, you were talking about supporting queer mob during the postal survey. What was that like for you um, uh, running running the Blackfellas group on Facebook for marriage equality? What's that like been like since? Yeah, and so since kind of that. Um, that experience it was a really great way um and this wasn't really the intention of that the intention of that campaign was that we know black girls what it's like for our rights to be you know the topic of our rights and whether or not we should have them being on the front page of the herald sun that's not uncommon to us we knew that experience it's not our first rodeo in that regard um but in saying that i we still knew that that the impact of of the marriage equality survey was going to be really devastating mm. and that often, well, for a lot of um, queer mobs, the support ne- networks that they have for when our um, rights related to our Aboriginal identity is being questioned or argued about um, may not be able to show up in the same way for the postal survey. And so that's kind of what led that campaign, just kind of wanting to have a safe space. And really it was just an acknowledgement um, you know, more so than than seeking people to vote. Yes, because we understand that a lot of mob don't vote. That's their choice. I 100% respect and understand that. And so that, of course, extended through to the Marriage Quality Survey because it was based on the same federal voting mechanisms in terms of the, um, the enrolment and that kind of thing. But what's kind of happened since then is that we've found a really beautiful community of queer mob and and you always if you go out in the kind of club scene in Melbourne you will always see queer mob um, and you'll know who they are because their performance are particularly fantastic and they look great and they're really proudly claiming their space but there's also you know a lot of quiet queer mob that that's not their scene or they don't want to be out on Smith Street every weekend or or at the Peel to have a connection to their community. And so the kind of more informal connections that were able to come from that, for example, I play tennis um, occasionally with one of the friends I made um, during that process. And it just, it was never the intention that it would be kind of a networking or um, way to meet and connect. It was more to support, but the byproduct of that has been these really beautiful friendships that have popped up and all across the country as well. Yeah, and I wanted to ask about another campaign that you've recently been involved in at Thorner Harbour Health, actually, the public cervix announcement. Um, what has that been like for you? What do you hope to use that kind of visibility as a queer, proud Palawa woman in such a public-facing campaign? 
Yeah, so the reason I wanted to get involved in the public cervix announcement was because uh, sexual health or reproductive health or the health of anyone with a cervix um, is, and, and cervical screening is kind of a more intimate um, process. It's not, it's not something anyone kind of looks forward to, to going and doing. And I myself have, and you know, I'm 25, I've only just been eligible, but I was under the impression that because I, because of my identity and who I choose to sleep with, meant that I didn't need to be screened, despite having a family history of cervical cancer. Um, and so that that misunderstanding was really surprising to me. Um, and I was really lucky that I had access to a safe um, and welcoming health service to go to to have that process. But for people who don't, who kind of have an extra barrier of not having a safe or a comfortable um, healthcare provider that they're already engaged with who may be under the same impression. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was a really important campaign. And I often, whenever I've seen kind of marketing or campaigns around cervical cancer, it's, it's often a bit like cute for a mm. better word. It's yeah. like presented as this really, you know, feminine, empowering experience, which it actually isn't. It's actually a really cold, mm. not great time, but but it is really important. And I think that, that it needs to just be represented honestly and authentically. And I think that the organisers of public service announcements, one of your colleagues, Rachel Cook in particular, was really great at just, just being like, this is, this is what kind of the idea is, but also it's about representing our community and so we're open to the feedback from you, those people that are involved and what you want to say and how you want to say it. And um, there was a lot of autonomy given to us, which I really appreciated. And it was something that, and of course I was involved, so it was relatable to me personally, but I also, reflecting on it, think that it, the, the kind of content, and it hasn't come out yet because we only just filmed it, but it's, the representation across the board was pretty good and I think um, yeah that only happens when people with different experiences get involved and give their input yeah and what did you get out of being involved what was what was the pragmatic experience like of, be, of participating in that campaign it was a really uplifting experience from the moment we arrived everybody involved was super friendly and encouraging and there because they kind of believed in the products that we were producing and the importance of it. And it was just, um, we had a lunch, um, which is not uncommon in those kind of things, that they'll cater a lunch, but it was just the conversations that we were able to have over just the shared experience of being cervix owners on the queer spectrum was just really lovely and um, really special. And I think kind of we were all, we were all there to represent, not to represent, but we were all there kind of as a duty to our own respective communities and the intersection of identities. And I think that driver for each of us, those communities and those people are different, but the kind of, the sense of wanting to, to do our best to provide some um, representation of who we are and the people like us was really like I, I felt the kind of solidarity amongst other people involved in wanting to do that. 
Yeah, that's so good. Um, that camp, that whole campaign is really about solidarity. You're right, and. I'm really looking forward to seeing when that comes out because, like you said, it was only filmed recently and it will be released soon, I'm sure. Rachel will be telling us all about that on Well, Well, Well at some point. Um, Tasha, I wanted to also ask about Aboriginal-led health services. Can you talk about the importance of having those Aboriginal-led health services for queer mob and mob in general? Yeah, definitely. Um Look, our, the Aboriginal Health Service that I access um, is fantastic and it's kind of, um, you know, immediately when you walk in, there's posters saying, you know, LGBTIQ plus mob are welcome here. And, I mean, it's one thing to blue tack up a poster that says that and another thing to actually practice that in, in the way that you run and the way that you work. Um, for example, in the last year when kind of in the vaccination period, um myself and my partner were able to go together and be vaccinated together. Um, my partner is non-Aboriginal, but because she is my partner and has proximity to me, um, she was eligible to come with me and have um, our vaccines together. And it was just from the moment we kind of walked in, we were acknowledged as a couple and, you know, some of the, the elders and the staff cracking, you know, ribbing, ribbing us as they do and just, you know, the friendly kind of banter. Yeah. That, that they would have with any other couple or anyone else um, there. And it was just, we were just respected um, and welcomed and cared for. And we and we bumped into other queer mob that I knew there doing the same thing. Um, and it was just, you know, a totally a non, it, just, it was just so normal and natural that we went and did that together. And I think that speaks to the, the um, commitment to that service to be welcoming and to be supportive and I think that um, queer queer healthcare kind of providers also do a really great job but that shouldn't let you know Aboriginal health services off the hook in terms of queer mob like it's you know both both health services should be safe comfortable options and so the fact that that, that um, Aboriginal health services can do that so well is great. I can't speak to queer health services and how culturally safe they are for mob because I haven't experienced those just because I have, because I've been looked after so well at Aboriginal health services and that's what's more convenient to me based on where I live. Um, but yeah, we are so lucky. I know that it's not like that everywhere, but here in Victoria, at least in, in a city kind of Melbourne, we are, and actually I don't want to say we're lucky because it shouldn't be luck. That should be the standard. Mm. Mm. But we, mm. but I'm grateful that it is and that it's such a non-issue. Like even when I called to book in our vaccinations and I inquired if my partner could come as well and, and they said, you know, what is what is your partner's name? Like they didn't make an assumption on their gender in that question. They didn't, um, there's just kind of no assumptions, no judgment, and they just want to provide good quality healthcare to First Nations people. And they kind of, you know, it's a space you can bring your whole self to. Um, that's where I went for my first cervical screening. And it was, you know, really, um, you know, 
pretty normal experience. I'd heard some horror stories, especially from some queer friends, about what that experience was like, and I didn't help that. I was so well looked after and everything was explained to me and I had the, the autonomy to kind of make the experience what I needed to be. Yeah. Um, Tasha, the uh, theme for this uh, NAIDOC uh, 2022 is get up, stand up, show up. How can Queer Mob and allies as well meaningfully connect with this theme of, of NAIDOC this year? Yeah, so I think, you know, get up, stand up, show up, it, it, it kind of, you know, they're all calls to get involved and that looks different for everybody. Um, and I think for, for Queer Mob, kind of, you know, events like the one last night, are so um, important, and, and people do, and Queen Mob did show up and stand up. And if they didn't do it physically for various reasons, they were doing it online on social media um, and building those networks. But also just because that's the de- designated NAIDOC Pride night to celebrate Queer Mob, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be celebrated at all of the other events. And we do show up, but we do stand up, and we should be doing that. And I think that's the same for, you know, the march, as you said, is on Friday at 12pm. It's leaving from Vars in Fitzroy. That's, you know, a great opportunity for allies to um, get up, stand up and show up. But I also think um, kind of um, an extra kind of thing that they, that they should have added to that not that I am giving the National NAIDOC Committee marketing advice, but um, <laughs> if I could, I would say, you know, the fourth kind of one should be sit down. And mm. that is to, you know, to allies. Like, this is the time to sit down. It's not, NAIDOC Week isn't for you. It's for mm. us. And it does provide you a great opportunity to appreciate our culture and to listen to our calls. But also, you should be doing that all year round. We we make ourselves known what was going on in queer community, you know, Black Death in Custody. That report was released over 20 years ago, but it's never finished. It's never stopped while people are still dying at the hands of the state. And, you know, our kids in out-of-home care at alarming rates. There's so much going on in our communities that we try to tell, you know, that we told our allies about, but, you know, it's not enough just to post to repost someone on Instagram this week and then, you know, give yourself an hour badge and toddle off into the sunset. It's, that goes on all year round. And, you know, in terms of, I think also it's, that theme is a good kind of reflection in terms of standing up and showing up in that whenever there's a, a protest or a march or a rally for the benefit of the broader queer community, or to, to, you know, in solidarity of the broader community. The turn up of Aboriginal people is amazing. We show up for you, for our allies we, and that queer mob and queer folk in general. We do. We show up in huge numbers. We keep those conversations going and we get involved. And I think, you know, we asking for the same in return isn't a big ask. And the way that, you know, we need the queer community to show up for us as mob the same way we show up for them. And I think that the themes are really good. Um, That's my interpretation of the theme, if I could have one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that is a really wonderful way to reflect on the different meanings behind Natal Quick and how people can 
you know, be involved to stand up, but also, like you said, to sit down and to listen to mob and especially to queer mob and make sure those voices and those issues are really at the forefront of the fight this week and every single week and day of every year moving forward. So thank you so much, Tasha, for joining us today on the episode. And it was a real pleasure to have you speak with us. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.